from South Carolina Public Radio. This is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on September 22nd, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. This episode is Washington heavy as we look at the House Republican-launched impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden and the pending potential government shutdown. Both of those big items involve some of our representatives in Congress, who we'll hear from in a moment. In addition to the Washington drama, we're looking out for your health, always. The weather is cooling down and the respiratory virus season is ramping up. We hear from state public health officials about the flu, COVID, and RSV, and we have details about the new COVID-19 vaccine available now. We need you healthy because we need you to call us at 803-563-7169. Even if you're sick, just you know, wear a mask while you call us on the phone. We don't want to catch anything. But we want to hear your feedback. We have a lot of calls in the hopper, I've been told. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't call 803-563-7169. Let us know what's going on with you, your thoughts about the pod, as long as it's good, and anything else. On September 12th, U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy directed his top lieutenants to open an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. No evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors were presented, nor was a vote taken in the House to start the inquiry, something McCarthy derided Democrats for doing previously. Here's the speaker. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. And they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. We are committed to getting the answers for the American public. Nothing more, nothing less. We will go wherever the evidence takes us. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on September 12th in Washington. The White House responded the next day with Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre saying this after multiple attempts by reporters to tease out more details from her. I want to also want to be clear about a couple of things. You know, I just talked about Bionomics. I just talked about what the president's going to do tomorrow, really deliver a major speech, something that the American people want to hear about. What are we doing to improve their lives, work on the economy? And these are real real issues, real priorities for Americans. Uh, and like I said, like lowering costs. But what you see Republicans uh, in Congress, right, they have uh, spent all year investigating the president. That's what they have spent all year doing. And uh, have turned up with no evidence, none. He, that he did anything wrong. I mean, that is what we've heard over and over again from their almost year-long investigation. And, uh, and that's because the president didn't do anything wrong. Even, even, House, even House Republicans have said, have said, the evidence does not exist. The House Republicans have said that. To my friend in the back who just yelled at, which is incredibly inappropriate, uh, but House Republicans have said that there doesn't, there doesn't, it doesn't exist. Their own investigation have actually debunked their ridiculous attacks. And the only reason Speaker McCarthy is doing this 
is doing this political stunt, and we have seen it, you all have reported, is because Majority, uh, Majority Taylor Greene has said she threatened to shut down the government. Can you imagine shutting down the government over a political stunt? And we're talking about vital programs that American families need. And, and she said that because she wanted him to, to actually do this. And if he didn't, she would shut down the government. And you have Matt Gates as well, threatened uh, to oust him as speaker if he didn't do it. This impeachment is something the hard right wing of McCarthy's caucus has been pushing for since the beginning of Biden's term. Georgia Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced articles of impeachment the day after Biden was sworn in in 2021. Now Greene is no longer part of the House Freedom Caucus, like Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who never backed McCarthy as speaker. He took to the floor on the same day as McCarthy's impeachment call to push McCarthy to honor the promises he made back in January. Gates is also threatening an automatic motion to vacate the chair, which would remove McCarthy should McCarthy negotiate a continuing resolution to keep the government funded at current levels. Here's Gates complaining about McCarthy. Now, moments ago, Speaker McCarthy endorsed an impeachment inquiry. This is a baby step following weeks of pressure from House conservatives to do more. We must move faster. Now, I will concede that the votes I have called for will likely fail, term limits, balanced budgets, maybe even impeachment. I am prepared for that eventuality because at least if we take votes, the American people get to see who's fighting for them and who's willing to tolerate more corruption and business as usual. That was Florida Republican Representative Matt Gates. Now, Gates wants the release of the January 6, 2021 Capitol right security footage, votes on term limits, subpoenas issued for Hunter Biden, and a more expedient impeachment process against President Joe Biden, like you heard him mention there. All of this comes as the House Freedom Caucus is at loggerheads with leadership over a pending government shutdown and a stalemate over a continuing resolution, which you heard Congressman Gates bring up. But sticking with impeachment before we get to a potential government shutdown, in a House Oversight Committee hearing on September 13th, First District Congresswoman Nancy Mace went off about the need for such an impeachment inquiry. You know, how many times is left going to talk about dark money? Well, let me tell you, Joe Biden is the definition of dark money. How much money did his family get paid off and how are his bills paid? And we're not starting over with an impeachment inquiry. An impeachment inquiry actually expands our subpoena power and would allow us to hopefully get more access to more bank records to prove out the SARS reports, which we are not allowed to share. Uh, That is the elephant in the room. Joe Biden got bribed and it was to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. And the left wants to normalize the bullshit of bribery. Like, I just cannot get over the fact that we're going to normalize this and we're calling Joe Biden's bribery, quote, a specific topic. No, it's bribery. It's money laundering. It's prostitution rings. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist for putting these theories out there. Uh, Our investigation, there is evidence. and It's not, you know, hard evidence is what they're saying now. They're moving the goalposts from, oh, we just need evidence now. Oh, you need hard evidence. You don't have it. There are texts. There are emails. There are phone calls. Um, There are lies that Joe Biden has told. Every single time the president has been asked about these bribery allegations, the guy has lied to the American people. He's lied to the mainstream media. And the mainstream media and the left just want to sweep this under the rug and pretend it's not happened. And it has. And this committee will continue its investigation. We'll have the impeachment inquiry. And we will ultimately get to the bottom of it because the American people deserve the truth and nothing but the truth. Charleston Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace right there, who also made the rounds on cable news that week and ABC's This Week on Sunday. 
But New York Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman, who served as the lead counsel in the first impeachment of President Donald Trump and lead counsel to House managers in the second impeachment of Trump, was also a part of that hearing with Mace and had this response to her claims. So we are now entering into what is so-called an impeachment inquiry, ostensibly because the Republicans say they need more information and that somehow by the Speaker of the House unilaterally declaring an investigation, an impeachment inquiry, that changes this committee's authority. It does not. This committee has been investigating these allegations for more than eight months. This committee of uh, House Republicans have obtained uh, more than 12,000 documents, pages of bank records, more than 2,000 suspicious activity reports, numerous hours of witness testimony, texts, emails. And the problem they have is not that they can't get the evidence. The problem they have is that the evidence does not support their allegations. And so why are we going to spend the next few months on a bogus and sham impeachment inquiry? Because Donald Trump wants them to. And Donald Trump has been calling them and urging them to do it because he was impeached twice. One of those impeachments of Donald Trump was because he tried to extort the president of Ukraine to investigate Hunter Biden. The president of Ukraine refused. Unfortunately, House Republicans don't have the spine that President Zelensky has, and they are now doing Donald Trump's bidding. That was New York Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman. Meanwhile, 5th Congressional District Republican Ralph Norman, who has seen his profile rise this year thanks to his machinations with the House Freedom Caucus, said there absolutely is enough evidence to support the inquiry. But let's move to the next big thing in Washington, the pending government shutdown. <laughs> Ooh, the lights got dimmer. <laughs> House Republicans are in disarray after a rebellion by far-right members derailed a plan to send the democratically controlled Senate a continuing resolution with additional border funding, which would have spurred a big debate on the immigration crisis and more. The House GOP itself proposed 11 spending bills totaling $1.52 trillion, which is far below what the Senate supports and is not low enough for five to 10 House Freedom Caucus members who are blocking the process to the chagrin of other Republicans and embattled House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So now House Republicans are on the path to a government shutdown if they and Democrats don't agree to a short-term continuing resolution by September 30th. That's because the new fiscal year begins on October 1st. And again, those 11 spending bills have gone nowhere, even the ones that typically pass easily. Not to mention, whatever makes it out of the House will be changed in the Senate. Remember, Republicans in the House, Democrats in the Senate. The Senate is expected to pass a CR, which would temporarily keep the government funded at current levels. With House Freedom Caucus folks, again, saying it's already too high. But will enough Democrats help Republicans get a Senate CR passed? Huh. You mean you want them to help you out right after you called for an impeachment inquiry on their guy Biden? Oh! Insert any number of emojis right here, folks. Now, Congressman Ralph Norman was recently on the PBS NewsHour, where he told co-anchor Amna Nawaz a government shutdown was 100% likely. Well, I'm, I mean, a shutdown is not, is not the best thing in the world, but continued bank continued, continued path toward bankruptcy is not uh, an option either for me. Uh, it was put in perspective at a caucus meeting today when 
One of our members said he had calculated that the debt every second is $20,000. Every second. And I'm just not, it's not business as usual. Economic security is national security. Uh, in a perfect world, we would agree on everything and have bipartisan support, but that's just not the case. So it's up to us, to, we're in the majority by a slim margin, to figure it out and come up with a budget that gets us on a downward trajectory. That's what we agreed to in January, a 10-year budget, <clears throat> which we will have, uh, and other things. But this isn't an easy process. When it comes to money, there's an advocate for every dollar. And so it's not easy, but it's part of the reason that um, we're elected to this office to, to make the decisions. What about a, a stopgap funding measure, a short-term funding bill? I know some of your Freedom Caucus colleagues were part of a group that worked out a potential deal. You don't support that, I understand, but what would you support? What I would support would be leadership agreeing to a top-line number. We had put on paper on uh, July 10th a 1.471. I met with the speaker today, and he is, to his credit, has been open to talks. But we need a top-line number that the 12 appropriation bills won't go over. One of the agreements in January was to operate a regular order, which would mean for the 12 approach bills to be hammered out in June and July. That just didn't happen for whatever reason. We are where we are. Norman said he and others were also burned by the debt ceiling vote that McCarthy negotiated earlier this year. Now you may say, okay, let Washington shut down. I don't care, Gavin. Which I say, fine, okay then, whatever. I guess we will avoid a lesson in compromise and empathy with the livelihoods of hundreds of thousands of federal government employees and contractors thrown in jeopardy. That's because non-essential and essential staff go without pay for however long the shutdown lasts. Both non-essential and those deemed essential, like the Jackson brothers, federal law enforcement, doctors, active duty military, air traffic controllers, and the like, they will get back pay. During a 16-day partial shutdown in 2013, Roughly 850,000 federal employees out of a total of 2.1 million were furloughed at some point. This according to the Office of Management and Budget. So a lot of people there having things thrown into disarray. But besides the small thing of people's lives being thrown into turmoil, you could be affected if you are waiting for a passport or working to resolve an issue through a congressional office. Be prepared to wait longer. National parks could also close. CBS News notes that the last government shutdown stretched from December 2018 through January 2019. Memories. That was when congressional funding for nine executive branch departments with roughly 800,000 employees lapsed. Then President Donald Trump shut down the government over his $5.7 billion demand for border wall funding. The art of the deal never came to fruition and he eventually reopened the government. But that five-week partial shutdown cost the economy $11 billion, billion, according to the Congressional Budget Office. The CBO said most of that would be recovered once the shutdown ended, but there was an estimated permanent loss of about $3 billion. Not small potatoes, folks. Potatoes. Shutdowns have a ripple effect on businesses that work closely with the government, our economy, and how we're viewed in the world. Lovely big chips. Now, when the House returns on Tuesday, they'll have five days to avert a shutdown. And the lead eight ball says, shake, 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 shake again on Tuesday. What the f- Come on! It's not even showing- Okay, okay, who elected this thing? Ugh! I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Now let's go to the upper chamber, the Senate, where some members heard from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky since a joint session of Congress was blocked by House Republicans. This followed a classified briefing on Ukraine with top military and intelligence officials on Wednesday. Before that briefing, Senator Lindsey Graham gave the following remarks to reporters. What do you need to hear today? Well, I need to uh, get an update on the status of the counteroffensive. Uh, why did they just request money to the beginning of next year for Ukraine? That was odd to me. We should be able to help Ukraine, I think, <clears throat> through next year. It's in our national security interest that they prevail. So how much would that cost? The status of the counteroffensive. To those who believe that withdrawing from Afghanistan was a mistake, you're right. Uh, pulling the plug on Ukraine while they're winning on the battlefield and letting Putin get away with this is far worse than Afghanistan. You'll be in another war because Putin won't stop. He'll go to Moldova and other places. China will see this as a signal of weakness. So for all these people who say, we need to get out of Ukraine to be tough on China. You're making the, a fatal mistake. You can catch Graham on CBS's 60 Minutes on Sunday as part of the news magazine's report on how taxpayer dollars are being spent in Ukraine. Also on Sunday, Assistant Democratic House Leader Jim Clyburn will be on NBC's Meet the Press with Kristen Welker. Also, watch Twisk. I know, I know, we're super DC heavy with this episode, so let's give you some health news in today's podcast because health is wealth. A little capitalistic spin there. Actually, no, I just made that up. Let's start with the latest on the new COVID-19 approved vaccine. I compiled these details from the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Data! The new vaccine is based on a variant called XBB.1.5, and it'll be the only COVID vaccine that's available this fall. One dose of the updated COVID vaccine is recommended for all individuals five years and older. According to updated CDC guidelines, individuals in certain risk groups may receive additional doses with their healthcare provider's guidance. Overall studies show that the updated vaccine is effective against the variants currently causing the majority of COVID cases in the United States. All viruses mutate, so while none of the variants circulating right now are exact matches to the vaccine, they're all closely related to XBB.1.5. Now, if you've recently had COVID, it's important that you still stay up to date with your vaccines. According to the CDC, you can wait three months since your symptoms began or for asymptomatic cases since you first tested positive. So three months after that, you can get the shot. There's also some evidence to support waiting as long as six months after a COVID infection to receive an updated COVID vaccine. Vaccine-induced immunity is better because it's safer. When you get infected with COVID, you have symptoms from the virus that wreak havoc on your body. Whether or not you've been infected or vaccinated previously, the updated COVID vaccine is going to strengthen your immunity responses to high levels and do so in a safe way. Now let's quickly talk about the safety. This is from the CDC. To make sure that the COVID-19 vaccines are safe, CDC expanded and strengthened the country's ability to monitor vaccine safety. CDC treated new web-based platforms to gather more information about the safety of COVID-19 vaccines. 
Now, these platforms give scientists information about the safety of COVID-19 vaccines in real time. So they're keeping an eye on safety there, folks. Now, since I'm not a doctor, on land at least, I decided we should hear from our state's public health professionals about the respiratory virus season, because it's already a doozy, as I'm sure my teachers, parents, and listeners know. I mean, y'all remember when I had a bug, likely walking pneumonia induced by late nights and karaoke back in August. But here's state epidemiologist Dr. Linda Bell on a call with reporters recently about the respiratory virus season. In the coming months, we expect to see an increase in respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, in influenza, the flu, as well as COVID-19 cases. Now, most people who get sick from these viruses do have a mild case and recover within one to two weeks, but unfortunately, this is not the case for everyone. And so it's important that people don't make the mistake of not taking these viruses very seriously particularly for certain groups who are at increased risk of suffering from severe complications from uh, infection. And these groups include older adults, pregnant women, and people with chronic medical conditions are most at risk for severe illness and complications from all three. But the problem is that complications can occur even among young and previously healthy people and we just can't predict which person will suffer from severe illness. So first for COVID, we do expect seasonal increases. And in fact, some predictions this year indicate that COVID disease activity can be similar to last year's activity. We've already started to see an increase in COVID cases over the last um, two months or so. And similar to the annual flu seasons, With COVID now being an endemic disease, we expect to see increases in a particular season. And now that's occurring in the late summer and the winter months annually for COVID. And we're seeing this now for the fourth year in a row. Bell said the best way to fight COVID and prevent severe illness and death is to get the updated COVID vaccine, which we just talked about. Now, the end of the 2022-2023 flu season and start of the 2023-2024 season is just a few short weeks away. But right now, the flu is circulating locally, according to DHEC's latest flu watch report. And we'll have final season data soon. But this past flu season was a rough one. There were 161 deaths and 3,421 hospitalizations. Both of those indicators far exceeded the five-year averages of 118 deaths and 2,200 hospitalizations. Dr. Bell said that children make up a large part of hospitalizations and vaccines are recommended for those as young as six months. She pointed to data from the Southern Hemisphere to support the current flu vaccine's effectiveness. And what we're learning now is that in in the 2023 Southern Hemisphere seasonal influenza uh, monitoring, that the vaccine has reduced the risk for flu-associated hospitalizations by about 52%. So the circulating influenza viruses in the Southern Hemisphere are genetically similar to those that are targeted by the currently available flu vaccine that is being uh, offered now in the United States. We think it's a good match. And of course, RSV last year was a huge deal. An older extended family member of my family who was hospitalized for a separate medical issue actually contracted RSV and it's believed that it contributed to complications leading to her death. So it's serious, folks. It is a serious virus, but now there is a new tool in fighting it for adults 60 and over, and that's the vaccine Erexvi. 
Now, while that's good news, Dr. Bell also spoke about just how bad the season was and the contributing factors to it. So that each year in the United States, RSV leads to approximately 2.1 million outpatient, non-hospitalized visits among younger children. And uh, we do see a high number of hospitalizations among that younger age group. Last year, the number of RSV outbreaks reported were much higher than had been in recent years. And we believe the reason for this is because many people did not develop natural immunity from exposure to RSV simply because the prevention measures that were put in place for COVID actually protected people from other respiratory illnesses. So they didn't develop that natural immunity. And we saw a very severe RSV season last year. But I'm, I'm also pleased to announce, though, that the FDA and CDC have also approved and recommended another preventive option in addition to um, RSV vaccination is a monoclonal antibody for infants under the age of eight months of age. So they're too young to be vaccinated, but this uh, monoclonal antibody can protect them during the highest risk period that that um, that neonatal uh, period in their lives. And uh, this is for those between the ages of eight and 19 months of age. Wash your hands, people. Wash your hands. Put the phone down right now. Wipe your phone down. Oh, my God. We're just carrying the germs with us. The lead always stresses washing your hands, covering your coughs, cover them, staying home if you're sick, and staying fit and healthy to combat whatever comes your way, especially during these cooler months. I will be getting my flu shot and COVID shot sometime in October. I'm not going to tell you when. But for everyone who loves the fall, well, it's here, and so are the viruses. Meg? Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. I'm glad A.T. Shire is here, folks, our producer here at the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank we you. We can't thank you, thank do you, this you. without him. I'm the, I'm the shadow host of this pod. Okay? I, I, Gavin I show up is, to work and he drives the train. <laughs> Gavin is just a puppet. He, we, again, I'm not even here. It's all AI now. It's we, all AI. A.T. just types in the words and it comes out in my voice. <laughs> I create the news. That's the future. And then I talk to myself want. as Gavin. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even here. I'm just having a conversation oh, with myself. Stop giving Netflix ideas for more content. <laughs> Yeah, this is a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, Gavin, we have a call. Like you said, the hopper. Is <laughs> She's brimming. Brimming. Uh, but that doesn't mean don't call. We still want you to call. I want to hear all your pretty, pretty voices. I love you so much. Yeah. But anyway. We're stealing them for AI. Yes, I do Just feed kidding. them into all my own personal algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> Now no one's going to call. We're just joking. We're just joking. All that data's already stolen, I have folks. it all in my home lab. Anyway, <laughs> Gavin, lab. are you ready for this call? Uh, beep, boop, bop. That means yes. <laughs> hey, Gavin and AT. This is Roman calling from Texas. I wanted to say that it was so lovely to talk with AT and producer Sean a couple weeks ago to give... Uh, my feedback on the show. I thought it was a really cool experience, and I encourage anybody else who's interested in, in doing that to do so. I will demonstrate. I think the show is staying true to its roots by keeping up to date with the most important news. I really like the new changes, uh, the little tweaks to format. Um, Ryan Schechner has been bringing it. I love those contributions. Meg Kennard is always Excellent. I love the dip into sort of like the parenting sort of commentary. I think that's, I think we can all agree that uh, Meg Kennard can be the uh, the mom of the podcast as well. I nominate her. 
Um, but I also wanted to bring special attention to, I think her name, Tiffany Stanley's reporting, uh, the interview did with her about the religious backgrounds of Haley and Scott, I thought was exactly the type of stuff that I look to the South Carolina lead to get that I can't get anywhere else, right? Like I never would have known about Tiffany Stanley had it not been for the lead. Um, and so what I did, of course, afterwards is go and read her original article and bookmarked her. And now I know that's somebody that I should be keeping up to date with. So thank you so much, as always, for educating us. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the analog moment that you called out for from, I guess, that Tiffany Stanley moment. And um, I don't know exactly how to say it. I think that things are better, actually, in the digital age. But I do have a nostalgia for for the analog. Um, I wrote my master's thesis on a typewriter just to say that I could um, do the first draft anyway. And, of course, transferred it over to to a computer because that's just sensible. Um, I guess that's my best analog moment. I hope you guys are having a great day, and thank you again for the lead. God bless you all. Bye. Teacher Roman, thank you for calling direct from thank Texas, you. Tejas. Yeah, Tejas. Um, <laughs> where my brother Colin now lives. Mm. In, a Jackson in Texas. Oh, God. As the Lord intended. Just west of the Mississippi is just too much to fathom. I mean, it's I flat. used to live I mean, right next to the Mississippi in Baton Rouge, but I didn't go across it too often without permission from my father. The only time that we are elitists here on this podcast yes. is with the Eastern East Coast, Time Zone. East Coast Time Zone. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the only time that we are elitists, and we <laughs> lean into that, and we're firm on it, and we're not backing we, down. When we were in Chattanooga, we were both just like, oh, ah! oh my insides. <laughs> listen to that South of Spooky episode, check it out, last folks. Last one. Last South one. of Spooky's back this year, and by back, I mean... Listen to, to the old listen ones. Listen to the first listen season the again, ones. okay? We're they, not doing a season None of them are time-stamped, okay? They still good. They hold up. They hold up. <laughs> We're going to drop one in the feed one of these days. Sure, Look why not? I don't care. Because a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, Meg, yes, she is mama. She's mother. She she's mother. She's giving mother she's part, on the pod. She's part of the fa- she's part of the fashion council too. She so uh, she has that innate she responsibility has, yeah, as mother. She's high ranking here on the pod. Is she it, knows how to read the runes. Her name, yeah, I was going to say her name is in the scrolls. So uh, it's it's a lot. But and that bring all this conversation brings us to speaking about the family of the pod, right? And <laughs> the extended pod. This is pod the family. this is the first time. Pod and thank me. you, Roman, for calling. But this is the first time I can really talk about it. Is that I had two cats, Chippy and Yogi, mm-hmm. and sadly, Yogi passed away into the great yonder uh, recently. And it's a stressful couple months there. Stressful couple months. Caitlin and I, we were gutting it out there. And uh, it's especially hard for the pod because Yo- well, Chippy, he's a producer. He's he, moral support Yogi, producer. Yogi was our money man. He was a big deal. He was a My money My father man. specifically said, when I'm yes. giving you this podcast, Gavin... And A.T. A.T. Shire, he'll the third. He'll get this cat. This has to go to J- this Yogi. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, and so it was really tough it was, it was dealing tough. with the loss. But recently, I've entered into the fringes of society. Oh so God. to replace our you cat further, Yogi, even further, fringes. even further, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> to replace my cat Yogi, my dear, dear cat Yogi, mm-hmm. Caitlin and I have gotten two cats to bring our cat total to three cats. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand. It started slowly with your little baby George. Little George. Little kitten George. He was an accident, I would say. (laughs) A mistake even, but a good one. An impulse. Yes. I saw a cat. He was good. He is good. I want that. Got it. And then see something, say something, get something. This is a real AT cat, okay? This was this was a twenty dollar mm-hmm. cat, basically a garbage cat made of spare parts. I love him dearly, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't let don't make me think I don't love him. However, 
Then Caitlin got a Caitlin cat, which is an elite bloodline Maine Coon named Reggie. We're not going to name the price here. It's yeah, it will shock it listeners. Was, it was a lot. It shocks. It shocks yours truly which, to this day. Which I can only imagine. Poor Yogi being like, "Where's where all the money going?" That exactly. I say, yeah. uh, "What's going on here?" Exactly right. So, Mr. Jackson, I can't talk to you right now. We have Reggie now, mm-hmm. which is Caitlin's cat. But really, if you ask her, it's my cat. Your right own now. succession going on right now. Yeah, it's like, who's like the Murdoch be, family? It's, right it's, now. There's no difference. I mean, there's it's just perfectly Call mirrored. Lachlan. It's the same. Lachlan. Yeah. Now his name is Reggie. Caitlin says for Reggie White, the famous eagle mm. player. I say for Parmigiano Reggiano, the Italian hard cheese. I was pushing for simple Manny. Manny was Manny good. The Mancun. Manny, Manny the Did Mancun. you guys want to do the ease? Is that what was the thing? That's Caitlin's thing. That's Yogi, Caitlin's thing. Chippy, George, George, George. She says Georgie. She says Georgie. But George was one of your cats before. I, I grew up with George a cat named George, and I'm thinking now for the rest of my life, mm. you must like snowball in the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to just name an animal around me, George, at all times, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. Yeah. But I do want to say before we get out of here mm. that uh, making this momentous decision to get this third cat to 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 become a fringe member of society here <laughs> i consulted many people around me gavin included you spoke to me yes and we the, consulted the runes the per the person that pushed me over the edge here was the aforementioned mother meg canard <laughs> she she has three cats and she said absolutely at three cats is awesome get that third cat uh, and hers are Wild. Yours are so sedate compared. They are, yeah. And I can't wait to, uh can't wait to meet Reggie. You're gonna love George. Reggie. George is just like, what's up, bro? Yeah. I'm like, I don't have any cash or vape, <laughs> yeah. George. Both like, these cats vape. vapes. They're yeah. these millennia or these Gen, Gen Z, Z cats. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but I have I've also had some big news. You didn't ask me why I'm wearing my hat. Yeah, I want everyone to know real quick before we go that Gavin has recorded this entire episode in a hat. Did you guys know? You notice you that? You could hear it. Yeah, yeah, you could hear it. Um yeah, I'm wearing a hat today because I uh I tried to give myself bangs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. God, I'm just I would kidding. Have loved. Bangs. Oh my God. If you have bangs, please call us. Uh, please why? call. And that, Tell us why. Great transition, Gavin. Bang this outro out, okay? <laughs> Let's say goodbye to everyone. A bang, everybody. bang. Boing, boing, boing. Oh goodbye. God. We love you. And be like Teacher Roman and give us a shout. 803-563-7169. That's our voicemail box. Trust me, folks. We will be updating the greetings soon. Um, maybe never. I'm just kidding. We're just saying that. Please call. And you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I've seen a couple out there. We love hearing from you guys. Thanks for the good feedback. We'll talk about those soon. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Let me see your nail beds. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, your hands are so soft. (laughs) Oh, my God.